0: good to be with you here this morning. Uh, I'm very grateful for this opportunity to stand before you. Uh, It's always my hope and prayer every time uh, the Bible is open that we look at the Word of God and we see what it would have for us. Uh, This is a beautiful day, as David said, that the Lord has granted us. And I'm glad that he has given us another day to praise him. And and I'm glad to see you here, especially if you consider yourself a visitor. Uh, We're grateful for that. Uh, we have a lot, of, a lot of babies here today, um, and that's really neat to me because I'm about to have a baby. Uh, so it's, it's just a really blessed day uh, to, to be here. Um, the title that I have for this morning, and you'll see as we go throughout the sermon uh, a little bit more about it, is Stages of Spiritual Growth. We've heard a lot of sermons about spiritual growth. This is not a new concept by any means. But I think it's important to us as Christians where we see ourselves in light of Christ. As the song we just sang, the goal is to be a servant, right? And for God to make us and to mold us into the image of Jesus Christ. Because every day of our life after we become a child of God, after we become a Christian, the goal is to become more like Jesus. And so this morning that's what we're talking about is growing into the image of Jesus, And as we start this morning, I want to ask, what would be the best version of you and I at full spiritual maturity? Now, obviously, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know um, how God will make us and mold us exactly. We know uh, based upon the concepts of Scripture. But how can we get to that point? How can we grow as a Christian? How can God make us and mold us like that? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And my goal in this study is encourage all of us as Christians to grow by looking at how and where we are at currently this morning. And so I want to start off by looking at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. In verse number 15, and um, we're going to look at this context a little bit later, but I want to look at this verse to start. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse number 15, it says... But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the Head, Christ. And so is there any doubt in our mind? Is there any doubt that God expects us to grow? He know, we know that God wants us to grow. We know that we're to be molded into the image of God. And like the saying goes that we hear a lot, if we're not growing, then we're dying spiritually. We're dying. And there needs to be something that show others and ultimately God in heaven that we're changing and that we're growing. We see further in 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse number 18, it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. We also see in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all speaking, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. These are passages that we're probably well aware of. But this is where Paul demonstrates the idea of spiritual maturity by looking at the baby and adult imagery. By expounding that to us. And We look at spiritual maturity, and a lot of times it's hard to just define it. Can we honestly just really define spiritual maturity? For all of us, it looks different, doesn't it? I have different opportunities. I'm a different person than the next person in the room. But the important thing is that we start out as an infant in Christ when we obey the gospel, and that God expects us to grow. We are not to remain an infant. We're to grow up into Christ And that's what Paul introduces. Now, some may claim, some may claim that spiritual growth looks like a couple things. Number one, it's going to church one to three times a week. Some may say, if you go to church all of your life, then you're going to grow up in Christ. You're going to become spiritually mature. And that's an important concept, but is that what spiritual maturity looks like in and of itself? Sometimes some may say that understanding deeper uh, deeper biblical concepts like revelation. If you can decode revelation, that's the spiritual goal. That's the goal set that I'm supposed to reach. And if I get there, then I've made it. Then I'm spiritually mature. Is that what spiritual maturity looks like? You know, these two things are important. These two things are uh, a part of being a child of God, but are those what define us as a Christian? These things are great to do, but do they equate? to growing up and becoming a different person. You see, if God's going to mold us and transform us, there needs to be a change in our character. There needs to be a change in who we are. I believe that spiritual maturity is so much more than these two simple things. These are important. God expects us to study the Bible and grow in His Word and and to come to church every opportunity we have. But I think it's so much deeper than that. Now, I want to look at this As Paul illustrated, he talked about it from a physical standpoint, from the physical life. And so to understand spiritual growth, I want to unpack that idea by looking at it from our physical life. Um, And specifically from the standpoint of taking in food. That's what Paul talked about. Number one, he talks about being an infant in Christ. Now, um, infants require uh, someone else to feed them all the time. And that's something that Michaela and I have definitely talked about, how our lives is about to change forever <laughs> because we're not just feeding ourselves anymore. The, the baby that comes into the world is solely 100% dependent upon a parent to feed them, most of the time it's the mom. And so they're reliable, uh, or they, they solely rely on the parents. And the goal, as you can imagine, the goal is that child would grow up and eventually progress into a toddler right it's not good for the baby just to remain a baby their whole life they need to grow up into a toddler and a toddler you'll see that they begin feeding themselves you'll put something out on their high chair um and maybe you're like this kid and you just make a mess of yourself because you're beginning to feed yourself you're feeding uh yourself you're learning how to feed yourself but that still is prepared by others they can't go out and you know, make a four-course meal or a steak or, or put something in the microwave. They're, they're still relying on the parents to prepare the food for them. And then eventually they grow up. Now, the next stage is teenagers, and so the best way I could define this was preteen. Um, but basically represents the time frame between toddler and teenager. So after the toddler stage, what happens? Not only can they feed themselves, but they begin making food for themselves. I remember whenever I was younger, um, I would try to make a bowl of cereal, um, and it was interesting because, you know, a lot of times you've got to be real careful with how you pour the milk in the cereal and, and all that type of stuff, um, and, and so they really just kind of start this process of making food for themselves just a little bit, just a little bit. They may make that cereal, they may put something in the, in the microwave, that type of thing, But as they get good at that, they begin to become a teenager, right? By this point in time, they should be completely able to make their own food. If you have a teenager in your home and they can't make a a single piece of food, something is wrong, right? Something's wrong. Teenagers are supposed to be making their own food. They prepare their own food. But something interesting and something really neat happens in this stage. They start to share what they make. I remember whenever I was younger, I didn't, you know, some may not think of it as a big deal. I love eggs and I began to make eggs and I went through this little weird phase of my life around the college age, I guess, if you will. And I would always be making eggs in the kitchen and I would always say something, mom, did you see those eggs I made? They're amazing, you know? And of course you would see it because, you know, the house that was smoky because I didn't really know what I was doing. But this is the point in time where I was excited to share that food. Um, not too long ago, I guess a few years ago, it, it's probably been a few years now, um, whenever uh, Mikaela and I were dating, or around the first time when we were married, we discovered this dish called rich chicken casserole. Um, if you've been to the church dinner, you probably had it <laughs> because we really like this. And we discovered this online and We would have people uh, come over and, and we would spend time together. And that was the dish that we made. We were excited about the rich chicken casserole. We wanted to share that with others. And so notice this transition that's very important. This transition from self to others. You notice at the first stage as a baby, they could do nothing for themselves. They were solely dependent upon someone else to feed them. And as they grow older, they become older. And in those middle stages, they begin doing things on their own. They pour the cereal. Maybe they make the ramen noodles. Maybe you crush the the ramen noodles before you put it in the microwave, that type of thing. But they begin to uh, focus on doing that and sharing that with others. But the latter stages, something important happens that is very important that Paul talks about. And that's sharing with others. And finally... Eventually, when someone is full grown, when they're a grown up, when they're an adult, they have families of their own, don't they? Several of you have families of of your own. I'm about to have a a child come into the world. We understand this idea, and it's important at that point in time that we teach. We teach. No longer am I just thinking about myself being fed, but I now, now am responsible, and I have to think about my own child Be fed to teach them how to feed, and so eventually that's what it leads to. By this point, it's evident that obviously a grown up can take care of themselves, they should be right. They take care of themselves, but now they're a teacher, they're a teacher. And so, all these things we can think of from a physical standpoint, these are very basic concepts that almost all of us, if not all of us, understand now. How does that equate to our spiritual life? Can you imagine the difference? I want you to see what the difference is between the physical and the spiritual. It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing. Infants require someone else to feed them, right? Maybe there's a newborn Christian in Christ that just obeyed the gospel. They require someone else to prepare those sermons. They require someone else to lead the Bible study. And they begin to slowly teach that person, that newborn Christian, and help them digest it. It's going through the basics, those types of things, before they become a toddler. Now toddlers, as you grow up, as you know, after that, they still need others to prepare food for them, don't they? But they learn how to make it on their own. They say, I got this, I can eat that. I can digest this. And that's the same thing spiritually. They begin to understand what they're taking in. They see those um, apples that are on the tray, if you will. They see those different things and they see um, and make application and they show great growth. And then they become a preteen and they learn how to feed themselves, don't they? They learn how to have personal Bible studies where I'm going to set out a time each day to look into God's Word and to be fed by God's Word and do word searches, formulating biblical concepts, these types of things. So not only eating food, but learning on their own. And then they become a teenager and begin to share the Bible with other people. They start becoming teachers. They share that with other people. They note ideas, make connections. They have spiritual conversations with others because they're not just focusing on themselves, but they're starting to focus on other people. And finally, grown-ups. Grown-ups are be to to be fully formed, functioning Christians. Now, that's not the end goal. You still keep going. You still keep growing to Christ, but they're functioning Christians. They make food for other people. They teach them how to become self-sufficient. Teachers making teachers like Jesus and the apostles, the first century church, the leadership, the older saints. They taught the word and made teachers of others around them. If everybody in the Lord's church was an infant, who was going to teach? Who's going to teach? I believe that as we grow up into Christ, God gives us the opportunities to teach others. And when we're talking about teaching others, maybe sometimes we're talking about it from a, a public standpoint. Maybe the worship is the, the worship assembly. But I believe sometimes teaching is so much deeper than that. So much deeper than that. Sometimes it's the, the spiritual conversations you have after church in the, in the foyer. Sometimes it's having somebody into your home and teaching them. I've talked about it before, but... Uh, Brother Jay Henderson is, had been a huge impact on my life. He has taken me in and and we had very interesting discussions in the truck in his truck uh, or or maybe in his shop whatever and so when we 're talking about teaching i want to be I want to be clear this morning. yes, maybe that means in the assembly, but teaching overall is whenever you are sharing what God has given you from the Bible with others, and that is the ultimate goal as a christian is to continue into that to grow into that and continue into Christ now you may be wondering is this um, something that's taught by Paul is this something that really is what we should be growing into well, I want to share that with you for just a moment in Hebrews chapter five Hebrews chapter five verses twelve and then ending in chapter six verse one I want you to notice what it says here Paul had written to Uh, the Hebrew brethren here, and it says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish Good from evil. And so Paul had told them, at this point they ought to be teachers. Now we see here something important. He talks about teachers and who they are. Notice in the latter part of verse number 14, it says, trained by constant practice. So teachers are always training. They're teaching. They're exercising. They're, They're practicing these things to teach others. And then we see about a child in verse number 13. It says that the child lives on milk. Now, I want to be clear this morning. I am not saying that if you are an infant in Christ, you are not in the right place. It's a beautiful thing. And the Bible even talks about how that's a good thing. And how we learn about uh, things that we should still be doing from infants in Christ. But the important concept that Paul is teaching here is that you can't remain an infant in Christ forever. How long had it been? How long had it been since? They became infants in Christ. He says, by this time you ought to be teachers. That would been five years, 10 years, 15, 20. We don't know. But what we do know is that you cannot remain an infant in Christ. Let God transform you and mold you. Study his word. Look for these opportunities to eventually teach others. That's how the church grows. That's how we grow as Christians. And God gives the increase. But he talks about this, and then finally, in uh, chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of a faith toward God. And so it's important. He talks about this, how we need to leave those basic teachings and grow up in a Christ. Does that mean that doctrine doesn't matter any, any longer? No, absolutely not. That's foundational teaching. That's what doctrine means is teaching. But we use that as a foundation and grow from that and teach others. We also see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, And I, brothers and sisters, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but only as fleshly to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to consume it, but even now you are not yet able. And so once again, what's this concept about? It's about growing up into Christ, not remaining an infant in Christ. Ephesians 4, we read this earlier. We're going to back up to verse number 11 though. This is talking about the church. It says in verse number 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. And so he gave these different individuals, these roles, if you will, in the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers. And what were they to do? They were to equip the saints. As parents, we understand that. Or you understand, I'm not quite that at this point. But we understand the idea of bringing up a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And it says that these individuals of these roles are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And he equates that to spiritual maturity. It says in verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. All of us, this includes all of us, all Christians, to mature manhood. He doesn't stop there though. In verse number 14 it says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro uh, by the waves and carried about by everyone the doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and uh, deceitful schemes. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Speaking the truth. Did he just say speaking the truth? He said speaking the truth in love. What is one word that comes to mind when you think of speaking the truth the truth and love. Teaching. Is that not what teaching is? Teaching others? Teaching them. He talks about that all the way earlier in verse number 11. And he equates spiritual maturity to speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head in, into Christ. Does that mean every time I teach somebody that I'm just going to have a loving attitude and show love? No. <laughs> that's, that's hard Sometimes. It's difficult. We become impatient. We want somebody to get something now, don't we? But we have to learn patience and speak the truth in love and grow up to become that teacher that God wants us to be. You know, that's, that's really what this is about, isn't it? It's about God molding us and transforming us into Jesus. Do you think that we can do this all alone? As we become more like Jesus every day, we need the help of God, It says that, uh, talking about the fruits of the Spirit are are those very things. It's the fruit of the Spirit. If we submit to God and allow him to work in us, he will produce those fruits in our lives. And we'll become that teacher. He'll give us those opportunities to teach others, to teach other people. In Titus chapter 2, we also see how this relates to older men and older women. In Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men may be sober, or be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, and love in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. You may be thinking that I just can't do this. I, I'm just not ready for that. I'm, I'm just not well equipped for that. I'm telling you. Allow God to help you. Allow God to work through you. See those opportunities. We see first that they have to teach by example right, don't they? It says they need to be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. You see, if, if, if you're teaching a young whippersnapper how to do something, and they see you do the complete opposite, that's not going to be a very well-taught lesson, is it? And that's why we have to demonstrate these godly characteristics in our life. And that's why it's older men and older women because they've gone through so much. They understand what what it's like to grow into Christ because they've been in the church. They have seen these types of things. And so maybe that's you this morning. And maybe you think, I just don't have these types of things. I challenge you, God gives you the ability to do these types of things. It's a commandment to teach others, to teach others. And verse number four, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. That's the word of God, may not be blasphemed. And so these are the different types of things that they are to teach the younger how to do. Um, I remember Michaela had told me as we were dating that whenever she was at home, uh, she would learn how to make pie with her man Gay Henderson. And if you haven't had a Gay Henderson pie, you're missing out. I'm telling you, you got to go get that. But she would be younger in Sister Gay, as, as we call her, a uh, Grandma. Um, she would teach them how to make these pies, sometimes fried pies or, or whatever it may be. And someone thinks, well, you know, you're just teaching somebody how to make pie. But listen in sometimes. Listen into their conversations. They're talking about life, aren't they? They're talking about how much they love their husbands. And how the, the younger uh, woman needs to love her husband and to love their children, and to be discreet, all these types of things. We make this some, sometimes so formal. And yes, it's important uh, to have teachers in the assembly. That is important. But we just need, is equal, teachers outside of the assembly too. Because if we don't have that, then we wouldn't have a lot of us, would we? A lot of evangelists. I believe it was Timothy who his mother taught. And His grandmother taught him these types of things to teach, to grow up, and to become teachers. Now, I want to look at something here as it relates to teaching because I think this is an important point. In James chapter 3, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, this was a book about basically being a Christian. And and, in chapter 1, we learn about Um, being doers of the word and not hearers only, looking into a mirror, basically making sure that we're doing what we need to do. Um, And then chapter two, it talks about at the end, uh, having faith and having works because faith without works is dead. And then he picks up in chapter three, verse one, it says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we should receive a stricter judgment for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may not obey us or that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships although they are uh, so large and are driven by fierce winds they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Some people may make this argument that you need to not become a teacher just period because that's what this is talking about. I want you to look at this context here though. What is this talking about as this chapter goes on? It's talking about the tongue, right? It's talking about the tongue. If you're trying to become a teacher so you can be in front of everybody to be the the person of the show, you need to remember that you shall incur a stricter judgment because it's not just your belief at this point, you have then shared that with somebody else. And so is that the idea of just not to become a teacher at all? I don't believe so. I think the idea is you need to be careful. You can't just jump from an infant to a teacher. That's not how it works. It, it, it's a gradual process. It's a growth. You grow into that, and so we need to be careful. Sometimes we need to understand what's at risk because it's important. Because we shall be—we're we're going to be judged based off of how we teach others. That's humbling, isn't it? In the public of the assembly, and and also everywhere, because we're telling others of what we've learned and what God has done for us in our life, and so. That's what this is talking about. Now, God has given people different abilities and talents, hasn't he? Some people have been gifted uh, with the ability to speak, even in a public setting. But some people are maybe gifted in song leading, in other areas. But it's important that as a Christian, that we teach others, that we grow into that and glorify God in doing so. This is the ultimate goal right here. When Paul wrote to Timothy, I want to look at this. In 2 Timothy chapter two and verse number two, it says, "And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also." That is the goal in our life, is that first and foremost, we obey God, that we do the things that God has commanded us to do, and we allow Him to mold us and make us. But He cannot stop there. It cannot stop there. If we want the church to continue in 100 years, we have to teach others. We have to teach others. We can't help but not teach others because we're excited about what God has done for us in our lives and, and his word that has taught us. That's how the first century cho- uh, church exploded and how ju- it just grew, it, like just crazy. It just grew. is because they were teaching others to teach others. Even an infant in Christ, even an infant in Christ can learn how to teach because they knew how they obeyed the gospel. They knew that they were a recipient of God's grace and they can go tell others because they're on fire for God. But that fire must continue as we go on and grow up into Christ. We have a job to do and that's to teach other people. And as I said, I know it may not be a simple task. It, It can be really daunting at times. It can be really difficult. But I'm going to tell you that as you do that, as you grow up into Christ in your life, God will give you the opportunities and God will give the increase. It says that in scripture, I planted in Apollos waters, but God gave the increase. God is to be glorified for everything that we have done in our lives, not ourselves. Just because maybe we have grown into a teacher, that doesn't mean that we're, you know, the biggest, baddest Christian in the room. We're only that because of what God has done for us and molded us to become like Jesus. Don't you want to become like Jesus? Isn't that what we're talking about here this morning? As we grow up into Christ, we see that concept talked about growing into a teacher. And this morning, I want to encourage you to do that, to grow up into Christ, see where you're at in your life. And don't just try to make, you know, big steps where, you know, I'm just going to go, you know, become an infant to a teacher. It takes time but allow God to work through you, obey God where his spirit can work through you and produce the fruits in your life and give him the glory for doing so. And maybe this morning you need the encouragement by your brothers and sisters. We want to do that. We want to help you. We want to pray for you. And this morning you have that as an opportunity, but you also have the opportunity to start your walk with Jesus. And there's nothing greater than that. To become an infant in Christ. God looks at us when we become a child of his as an infant, as his own child, because he loves them, because he died for them. And this morning you can put on Christ. You can start your walk as a Christian. If we can help you in any way, please come out and sit on the front row as we stand in.